So the message today is about how we can gain more of what God wants us to have. Alright, so let's look at the title of today's message. Now, of course we can gain what we want from God by asking. But asking is not the only way. And very often, mere asking is not sufficient. Very often, we need to do something. We do our part and then God will do His part. So we need to move our hands instead of merely opening our mouths. So one way to gain more of God's goodies is by what we call kenosis. What do you mean by kenosis? Sounds bombastic, right? Well, actually, kenosis is a Greek word which means emptying. So you see the emptying of water from the bucket. And the root word of kenosis is kenos, which means empty, containing nothing. Now actually, containing nothing seems to have no significance, right? Nothing. So what to do with with nothing? But actually, containing nothing or emptiness or being empty has its significance. So let me quote to you some notable references to the significance of the state of containing nothing or, or emptiness. All right, the first one, let me quote from you, uh, quote, uh, to you from the philosopher Lao Tzu in his, Chine, in his uh, classic text, Tao Te Ching, right? He's a famous Chinese philosopher. So in chapter 11 of his book, here it says, 30 spokes cover or converge at the hub, but the empty space for the axle makes the cart useful. You see, you know the wheel with all the spokes, but in the middle there's a hole where you can push a bar, the axle through. Right? The axle will be pushed through all to, to the other side, to the other wheel, right? So then, with the axle connecting the two wheels, you can move the cart. Then clay is formed into a vessel, but its emptiness makes it useful. If the vessel is not hollow, is solid, then it's just a piece of rock. It's no use. But because it's hollow, you can pour in water and other things. Cut doors and windows, but the room is useful because of the parts that are void. You cut a hole in the wall. There is an empty space in the wall, but that is the window and the door. And also the room, which is empty, then only you can bring in your furniture. So therefore, profit comes from what is there, usefulness from what is not there. So what we learn from here is that the more empty you are, the more useful you become. And then we have another reference from the Bible in 2 Kings 
chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Where's my scripture reader? The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. Sorry, But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So what we can see from this passage is that the more the empty jars, the more oil there is. So that means the more empty you become, the more you can be filled up. But there's one more passage from the Bible that talks about emptiness or being empty. And it is the most significant. And it is found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. Sorry. All right. You should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men and by sharing in human nature. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As a result, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here is the most significant passage about being empty, the significance of being empty. Here it is not really about emptiness, but specifically about the act of emptying, the act of pouring out. So this is what we call kenosis, the emptying of Christ. And Christ is our model of emptying. So let's look at into more detail what the kenosis or the emptying of Christ is. Now, Christ came to earth, right? We have just celebrated Christmas. Christ was born, and he became a man, right? So he came, and there's an emptying from him. It involves the concealing of his glory, right? He is God. He has all the divine glory, but when he came to earth, he concealed his glory, 
only briefly during the transfiguration that he revealed his glory. But other than that, he concealed his glory and also he gave up the independent exercise of his divine attributes. So, he was, he was not omnipresent. He can only be present at one place at a time. He cannot be everywhere when he was on earth. And he became, he became dependent on the Father. He said he came to do the will of the Father. So, he took order from the Father and carried out the Father's mission. And then, the kenosis of Christ also involves possessing a fully human nature. He became a man. And that's what you mean by non-equality with God. And because he became a man, he had all the attributes of a man and all the limitations as well. Like, for example, he was not omnipresent. And he had to suffer, right? He suffered pain, suffered hunger, and also he bore the sin of the world. And he suffered death on the cross. This is the kenosis of Christ. Now, it amounts to a subtraction by addition, an emptying by filling. Let me put this in a mathematical equation. Alright, please flash up the equation. Christ is divine, so 100%, 100%. But he took upon himself human nature and all the limitations and even the sin of the world. So, Add on negative value, so 100 plus minus 10, you get 90, right? Just an arbitrary figure. So there is a subtraction, right? From 100 becomes 90. So his emptying is by adding. He adds something, adds something negative, so the value drops. But... Something happened as a result of his emptying. He gained. He gained what? He gained salvation for mankind. He gained eternal life for mankind. And he gained the highest honor from God. And he also was given the lordship. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And he brought glory to God. So what you can say is, although the value dropped from 100 to 90, but God turned it around and multiplied. So let's look at the next equation. 90, not times 2, but to the power of 2. Exponentially, the value increases. So the kenosis of Christ is an emptying by taking on something, a subtraction by addition. Yet, although there is subtraction, but God turn it around and multiply the benefits. 
Now, this kenosis of Christ mentioned in Philippians 2, 5 11, and to 11 is just not for us to know only, but for us to take it as a model of humility. Let's look at Philippians 2, verse 3 to 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Right? Actually, this comes first before the passage on kenosis, but that is what Paul is telling us. We should be humble. And how to be humble? Look at Christ. Christ is our model of humility. And so we are to humble ourselves just like Jesus Christ. By acknowledging and accepting our foibles, our frailties and failings. And empty ourselves of self-importance. So, the scripture says, right, value others more than uh, above yourselves. That means you do not think of you yourself as superior, as always better than others. Do not think that you are so good that well, you, you demand privileges and rights from others. That you are entitled to your, um, the rights and the privileges. Value others above yourself. Now, a negative example is found in Mark chapter 10, where the Zebedee brothers, James and John, asked Jesus for the most prestigious and powerful positions in God's kingdom. Uh, they asked Jesus for uh, one on the left and one on the right of Jesus. They want prestige and power. This is a negative example. And people who are self-important, who think that they are very superior, very important, they are likely to harbor selfish ambitions and pride, which is what we have read just now. Selfish ambition or vain conceit. There are leaders, whether in church or in organizations or in the country, who think that they are better than others. And so they strive to obtain the highest power in that organization. They want to be the, the top man, not in order to serve, but in order to do things their way. In order to reap benefits for themselves. If you are the top man, you answer to no one. You are not accountable to anyone. Right? You can order people to do this, do that. Even if you have done wrong, nobody dares to question you. Ah, how nice, right? So everyone, um, many people clamor for the highest position. Selfish ambition, pride. And one such example is Absalom, the third son of David, 
who tried to usurp the throne of David. He tried to be king. He thought he was better than David. He would make a better king than David. But actually, he was not God's choice to succeed David. So he failed. Then we are told to look to the interests of others and not just our own. Now, in order to look to the interests of others, we must be prepared to relinquish our rights and suffer loss, loss of faith, loss of benefits. In Genesis chapter 13, we read that Abraham, right? Abraham is Abraham before his name was changed. Abraham and Lot, they have to go separate ways because their flocks and herds grew too large. The land cannot support both of them. So one must go somewhere else and the other right, to somewhere else, uh, different parts of the land. Now tell me, who has the right, the privilege to choose first? Of course, it's Abraham, right? He's the uncle. He's the senior. He's the one who brought Lot, his nephew, out from the kampong to, be, to, have, to reach this status of a rich man. If you are Lot, what will you do? Huh? Your uncle said, okay, you choose first. Would you decline? Would you say, ah, no, 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 no. You are the senior, you choose first. Or will you be like Lot? I hear, okay, I choose first. Unblushingly, he chose the best one, huh? the best part of the land. So don't you think Abraham was foolish to allow Lot to choose first. But he was willing to relinquish his right, his privilege, for the sake of peace, so that there will be no strife, no quarreling in the family, so that there will be family harmony. He looked to the interests of the others, his family members. Then also in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 tells us that Paul, as an apostle, he has the right to receive remuneration, wages. But he gave up this right. Instead, he worked as a tent maker to support himself instead of drawing a salary. Why? In order not to hinder the gospel. He wants to make the gospel more accessible to the poor. So he gave up his rights. There's loss of benefits. Loss of faith. Right? People look to him as someone who is weak. you? Why, why you don't take the salary? You are scared. Why are you so weak? Why are you so foolish? But... 
looking to the interests of others, we will have to suffer loss. Now, though we suffer a loss, but we gain something. We gain by leaving a void to God to fill us with all the good things that He wants us to have. And so you see that immediately after Abraham and Lot parted their ways, God spoke to Abraham that he will bless him. And then, in Paul's case, right, churches came to support him. Now, the Bible tells us that by being humble, by being willing to empty ourselves and make a loss, we gain from God wisdom. Right? The humble will have wisdom, Proverbs 11, verse 2. The humble will receive honor, Proverbs 29, 23. And the humble will receive grace, James chapter 4, verse 6. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Luke 14, verse 11. And not only that, some more. We gain victory over selfishness, pride, strife, and disunity. Right? Because Abraham was willing to, be, to humble himself and let Lot choose first, it resulted in family unity. A lack of strife within the family. And then, some more, some more. We gain Christ-likeness. We become more and more like Jesus Christ. Being humble. And more often than not, we gain lost souls. Just like in Paul's case, he gave up his rights so that more people will accept Christ. I'm sure if you are humble, if you... Don't always quarrel with people, but instead make peace. You get along well with people. People will be attracted to our Christian faith. If you always quarrel with people, people don't like you because you are so proud and, uh, uh, and so uh, selfish, of course, they will be turned off. Why? Oh, you are a Christian. I, I never want to believe in Christianity. But because you are humble, you care for people, you look to the interests of others, people will be attracted to the Christian faith. So let me conclude. The kenosis of Christ serves as an example of the kind of mindset we ought to have in our relationships with others. Right? This is what we read in Philippians 2. And we should be willing to relinquish, give up our rights, our privileges. Why? Why give up? For the sake of love. For the sake of others' interests. For the sake of preaching the gospel. For the sake of peace. In doing so, we suffer loss. But we achieve a higher, a nobler purpose. Right? Don't you think so? Love peace, unity, all this. These are higher purposes than just right, having your own way or having your own benefits. And we gain a higher level of 
Christ-likeness. We become a little bit more like Christ. So, be willing to empty ourselves of all the undesirable attitudes and traits like selfishness, pride. Be prepared to be filled up with all that are pleasing to the Lord. So how do we enlarge the extent of our gain? How do we gain more of what God wants us to have? By emptying kenosis. Because, right, the last, the next one. The more a Christian empties himself or herself, the more room he or she gives to God to fill him or her. You empty yourselves of all the negatives, God will fill you with, fill you with all the positives. Right, lastly, we turn to our song. Now, this song is actually a prayer called a litany of humility. Is it clear? Yeah. Now, here are the first eight lines. Describe undesirable desires. These are desires that stem from the lack of humility. Now, if you look at the second one, huh? the desire, second desire, this desire of being loved, you may find it offensive. Huh? How can we should be free from this desire? Isn't this desire legitimate? Right? I want to be loved. But if you look at the whole context, all these descriptions are traits or descriptions of a person who lacked humility. When you desire to be esteemed, you want to be honoured, you are like those uh, Pharisees, right? You want the people to praise you, people to uh, put you on a pedestal. So, desire of being loved can also be undesirable. Let me give you an example. Say, I have a crush on a pretty woman. I want her to love me. I desire to be loved by her. Is it a good desire? But because I desire to be loved by her, I try to sabotage her relationship with other men. I try to prevent her, stop her from developing relationships with other men. I make myself very pitiful, like very charm, very uh, always in need, so that uh, she will attend to me, right? When she sees me like this, oh, she will care for me and she will love me. So actually, it's, it's, it's fake, right? It's, I'm pretending to be in great need. So, this kind of desire contains elements of manipulation, possessiveness, selfishness. So, in the context of this, that can be undesirable. 
Now, this is one aspect of emptying. You, are empty, you want to empty yourself of all these negative, undesirable desires. So the prayer is, deliver me, Jesus, from all these undesirable desires. The next eight lines, let's look at the next. Deliver me from the fear of all these things. This is another aspect of emptying. Now this emptying is to take in some unpleasant things. Nobody wants to be humiliated. Nobody wants to be rebuked. Nobody wants to be calumniated, means uh, to be slandered. We fear having all these things because they are unpleasant. But to be humble, you must be willing to receive all this. Just like what Christ has undergone. So you, are, you should be willing to take on the negative. So it's again, it's what, like what Christ has done. A subtraction by addition. You add in some negative things like humiliation, contempt, rebukes, ridicule. And by adding all this to your life, you become subtracted. You, are, you, you empty yourself, right? Because you, you get a, less, a lesser value in the equation. So this is another aspect of emptying. The first one is just straight away subtract. But here, you add in a negative value and then the overall value drops. And then lastly, the last seven lines. These are descriptions of the mindset of humility. That you are willing to be lower than others. You're willing to be like Jesus Christ, who humble ourselves. We get our identity, our dignity from Christ, not from other men, other people. Right? If people don't notice your achievement, if people don't appreciate you, but never mind. Christ will appreciate you. Christ knows what you have done. Right? So this is the song, A Litany of Humility. So may the Lord help us to empty ourselves of all the undesirable desires. May the Lord help us to Bring upon ourselves all those unpleasant things that make us suffer loss, yet all these things that brings benefit to others. May God help us to have this mindset of emptying ourselves. Fill us with the humility that He has exemplified. Mm -hmm.